Well, thanks for being here this morning as we begin a new series. We welcome those joining us online. We appreciate our online community, so thanks for being with us. And today we begin this new series, and this idea is I want to say yes, but. And we're going to see some areas where uh, it just seems like we want to make a difference with our lives. Uh, None of us look at life and go, I don't want to be remembered. I don't want to leave the next generation a little bit better off than my generation, especially as we just celebrated these young families. We want to see them blossom, and we want to have a part of that. Uh, So we all want to say yes to investing in others, but there's a but. (laughs) And the but sometimes gets in the way, or a lot of times gets in the way. Uh, There was a lot of anticipation for a church. A guest speaker from Great Britain was sharing with a historic southern church, and the congregation um, was proud in its long history. And uh, they were looking forward to the message that Sunday, and they expected it to add to its history. This was a famous guy. And so the guest preacher was perfect for that kind of a decorum. The church uh, demanded this kind of an atmosphere, and uh, uh, the speaker enjoyed that and accepted the invitation because he'd like to be a part of that. So when the formal introductions were taken care of, uh, he was welcomed to the big pulpit, this huge thing, and he kind of, in a sense, climbed up into it and began. Uh, he asked everyone to turn to 2 Kings 5, uh, 1 in their Bibles, and so they all looked at their Bibles, and they read this. Now Nahum, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And as the preacher, pastor began to unpack this, and of course he had that British accent, so every word he said seemed to be more important and all that kind of stuff. I won't attempt to even try to do that. He said, I want to focus on this phrase, but he was a leper. And he said, there's a few things I want to talk to you about this morning. And everybody leaned in with anticipation. They are just so excited to have this guy speaking. You could have heard a pin drop and all of that. And the first thing he says, I'm going to make four or five points. I'm going to give them to you, and then we'll unpack it. And they just, again, it was just And the first statement he says is this. He goes, everyone has a but. And down front, a little 10-year-old boy started to snicker a little bit. He thought this was kind of funny. And, of course, mom and dad are like, shh, shh, shh. The preacher's a little perturbed. Everyone else says, what is going on here? We're not supposed to laugh in front of church. You know, this is supposed to be serious stuff and all of that. And then he said, uh, you know, because Nahum, everyone, you know, just like Nahum. And he just started these phrases out. So just like Nahum, Nahum you own, your own butt is difficult to see. And when he said that, there was more laughter. And he gets very uncomfortable. The pastor, you know, they had those big chairs in the back, the thrones, you know, everyone's sitting back there. And the pastor of the church is kind of, you know, shuffling a little bit, kind of like, come on, knock it off, knock it off. And then his next point was this, the butts of those around you look much larger than your own. At this point, everybody's starting to laugh, and the, 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 the speaker is just like, what am I doing? He doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, I, you know, I'll just be natural. You know, he looks to make sure his fly's up and all that kind of stuff. You know, nothing's, you know, no problems with his 
uh, wardrobe and, uh, and uh, just uncomfortable. Finally, they calm down and he kind of gives them an, the evil eye. And then he says this, this is his last point. He says, your butt is the largest you will ever have to see. And at that, everyone just dies laughing. Uh, he doesn't know if he can go on with his message. Uh, the pastor comes up and whispers into his ear and starts to explain what is going on. He says, in Great Britain, you know, the word but, you know, makes excuses and all this kind of stuff. But in the United States, it means your real enemies. And then he even laughs with a British accent, however that sounds. You know, there are a lot of times, there are those moments where we, we act like we want to say yes. But there really are moments where you and I want to say yes. And we want to say yes to making a difference. That's the way we say it around here. We want to touch people's lives. Uh, we don't want to live in a vacuum. Uh, we want the world to be just a little bit better because we've lived in it. But just like Nahum, you and I have a but. It may not be a disease, but it is a but. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Sean Stevenson. Uh, he passed away a few years ago. Um, you can Google him at a later time. But he wrote a book, and one of the main lines of the book is that we never get off our butts. And he starts to get into this idea that when it comes to you and I and our lives and us wanting to say yes, it's not actually getting out of our seat, but it's we have all these butts. It's funny, I'm so conscious now. Every time I say the word but, I'm just like, come on. But uh, see, there I just did it again. All right, uh, so he said this, and this is you know, absolutely true when you and I start to think about making a difference. And when I, when I say this, and the subject's going to be talked about tonight, this morning, especially those who are guests today, you're going to say, yeah, I get it, because it's going to be, he wants me to do something, he wants me to do this. And, and really, it's not that I'm trying to get you to do something. I'm really trying to have you see uh, what can be done in your life and through your life. The subjects we're going to talk about, some of them we're doing pretty well as a church, so it's not like we're creating this sermon series to uh, get you to uh, give or do something. And there are a couple other areas where we could use some help, but it's more about your spiritual growth as a person. If you and I are going to be in a place to make a difference and in the process of making a difference, touching other people's lives, living that kind of life, uh, things need to be happening in our lives. And if we're, as a church family, about helping someone grow spiritually, these attributes, these things we're going to talk about over the next few weeks are really uh, things that will help you grow. It's going to benefit you more than, at first glance, oh, that's because they want me to do this and do that. They're trying to get something from me. And really, we understand that when it comes to your relationship with God, if you believe there's a God or believe there's a possibility of a God, if you're going to relate to him and walk with him, certain things need to be happening in your heart. And God doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't want your money necessarily. He doesn't want your things, uh, your power, all that kind of stuff. He doesn't have any. He wants your influence. What he wants is your heart. And once he has your heart, all those things come into line. You're walking with him, and it, it unfolds in a natural way. And again, it's not because he needs it, not because a church needs it, not because our church needs it. it we understand that it's what's best for you. Now, I can't believe I'm going to quote this guy because he's a Dallas cowboy, but he was a long time ago. 
but uh, he said this, Tom Landry, he said his job is to get a group, uh, in his particular case, a bunch of men, to do things they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. So as we talk as a pastor, and I don't usually use this language a lot, as, as a shepherd, as someone who's actually concerned about your heart, your soul, I want to get you to do things you don't really want to do to, to achieve what you've always wanted to be. And I absolutely believe this. I, that's because I'm giving my life to this, is I believe that God wants to be a part of your life. And he wants you to experience him on a regular basis, have a relationship with him that ushers you from this chapter of life into eternity and, uh, and to enjoy his love and to enjoy this chapter of life. And so there are things that uh, you can become, but again, it's things you may not want to be, but once you have gotten those things a part of your life, you find that you could never live without them. You want them to be your habits, uh, your, uh, just who you are. You know, this is, a, this is something I say often in my own conversations with God, and I think you do too. Oh, God, I want to want what you want. And sometimes it starts right there, that I want to want what he wants, because I don't always want to move in that direction. I don't always want to grow in that direction. So sometimes there's something that comes up on the radar screen, and, and I go, wow, I need to, need to think this way, act this way, behave this way, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just don't want it. And sometimes I say, Lord, help me to want what you want in my life. In Psalms, we read, enjoy serving the Lord. This idea of making a difference causes is a big, huge part of it is about serving, giving our lives away. Enjoy serving the Lord, and he will give you whatever you ask for. And all of a sudden, we go, wow, that's great. If I do something for him, he'll do something for me. No, it's something completely different going on. I'll get to another translation of this. Depend on the Lord. Trust him in him, and he will help you. The idea is that when you and I enjoy serving God, and uh, the big two ideas Jesus talks about in the New Testament is about this idea of loving God and loving others. The way we love God, a primary way we love God is by loving others. So enjoy serving the Lord, enjoy serving others, and he will give you whatever you ask for. When our heart is shaped that way, all of a sudden our heart wants to deliver, it wants to serve. So our prayers, our thoughts are, help me, God, to be a better servant. Help me to serve others. Help me to love others better. And so as you're in that thinking, all of a sudden you're going to see him showing up. And sometimes it means that you and I have to depend on him. And I love the moments where he's pulling me outside of my comfort zone. Well, I really don't love them, but I love afterwards. He pulls me out of the comfort zone. I step into it. I lean into it. And I'm going, Lord, help me to do what I need to do. Help me to serve here. It feels very uncomfortable. And as I lean into that, I depend on him. I trust him. And he helps me get to the other side. Helps me move in that direction. And that's just a fantastic Thing to have happen in your lives. It, it helps your growth spiritually. So again, you may be at a place where you're just trying to figure out this God thing, if it's even real, if it's possible, and then you go, maybe there is a God, maybe there's a higher being out there, but uh, I don't know if it's a personal God. You know, you've got to get to those places. You've got to think that through. 
but I'm coming from the perspective that I believe definitely there is a, a designer behind creation, a designer behind these little bodies we are celebrating, these families that want to honor God, how that all works, uh, a designer that just didn't happen by accident. And I believe that that God loves us and wants to engage with us. Uh, we're going to talk about Jesus in a few minutes, but if you think about Jesus, uh, Jesus' life has probably touched humanity more than any other human being that ever lived on the planet. 2,000 years ago, his name, his concepts continue to come up. Some misuse them. Some use that power, that energy to get what they want, which is just offensive to him. Uh, but uh, the idea that he has changed everything. So when we start to think about relationship and who he is, uh, it's this idea of walking with him. Uh, another uh, translation of the same verse says, uh, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. Again, wanting what he wants. So I start to delight in, my, in the Lord. He starts to change the impulses of my heart, the desires of my heart first, and then my behavior starts to change. And as I walk with him, I need to lean on him, and that is wonderful. It's not like he gives us some marching orders and then just walks away. It's not like we have a uh, dedicate these families, dedicate these parents, and all of a sudden you have this prayer up here, and you guys are like, yay, and you just walk away. No, this is an ongoing event. This is a process, and the same is true with God. Another translation says this way, keep company with God. When you keep company with God, he reflects or impresses upon your heart. Get in on what is best. Open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do what you need, whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day. I love that. Sometimes, you know, you and I are trying to look a little bit for validation. And as we're engaged in serving God and serving others, all of a sudden we see that we are making a difference. And that does validate the direction that we're going in in the clear light of day, and stamp you with approval at high noon. Quiet down before him, be prayerful before him. So as we think about this idea and we think about these buts, we want to say yes and how we all do that, we're starting with this baseline. This baseline is Jesus. And Jesus got this right. He gives us a perfect example of how to do this. And when we think of Jesus and all the things he's done, one of the things or one of the ways he describes himself is this, he describes himself as a servant. He says, whoever wants to become great must become a servant. And if we were to take a look at the context of this conversation, we're going to see what is happening is the disciples, they're walking someplace, and the disciples start to talk about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, who's going to be in charge, who's going to get all the bennies, who's, who's ever going to go like, wow. And, and so they're starting to talk about this, and, and Jesus brings this up. They really don't want to talk about it because they know Jesus isn't going to be happy about this. And, uh, you know, and they start to talk about this, and Jesus is trying to live this, and it's not talk about it. And he wants them to learn that it's not about being the greatest in the sense of the greatest. It's the idea of serving, and then uh, you add value to life. You make a difference. You have an impact. You and I are most like Jesus when we are serving. You want to be like Jesus? You want to try to think about how you can be Christ-like? then serve others, then give your life away, make a difference. Again, Jesus was with them, and when he was safe at home, he asked them, what were you discussing on the road? The silence was deafening. They had been arguing with one another 
over who among them was the greatest. And we read on. Jesus sat down and called the 12 apostles to him. He said, whoever wants to be the most important, make others more important than themselves. They must serve everyone else. And then he says, follow my example. Even the son of man, referring to himself, did not come for people to serve. He came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Son of God, Lord of Lords. Jesus comes not to be served, but to serve others. It's one of his defining marks. He serves others. He gives his life as a ransom, a payment. Talked uh, when we get into theological, he gave his life so that you and I could have forgiveness of our sins, our disobedience, uh, our selfishness. You know, we look at those darling little kids up here and we go, oh, they can't, they can't be, there can't be anything bad in them. There can't be any uh, sin in them. But it's amazing as our kids begin to grow and get a little bit older and actually begin to actually, uh, you know, exercise their will or express their will. We decided that there, we discovered very easily that all by themselves, they became very selfish little beings. And I've told you this before, I can remember, uh, you know, Sarah and Hannah only being 18 months older than Mariah and Mariah trying to hold her own. Every once in a while, you'd go into the playroom and you'd hear them just screaming in there. And there's Mariah with the biggest toy she can hold in her hand, ready to slam her sisters because they've been pushing her around and she's sick of it. And uh, no one had to treat them that we didn't give them lessons. Okay, this is how you're nasty to your sister. And then when they're nasty to you, you pick up your toy, the biggest one you can, and hit them with it. No, they just knew to do that on their own. So Christ comes to make things right with a holy God, to make things right, pays our ransom so we can have a relationship with God. So this idea of servanthood, we're going to take a look at an individual in the Newer Testament who uh, discovered faith. All of a sudden, his eyes are open, and you can see servanthood starting to affect his life. He, in a sense, gets off his butt. We were going to look at this guy named Barnabas. Got off his butt and said yes by giving. Uh, he gave his life away. Uh, if we look at uh, Acts 4, 32, we see kind of what's going on. All the believers were one in mind and heart. Uh, selflessness was not, selfishness was not a part of their community, for they shared everything they had with one another. Uh, the apostles gave powerful testimonies, stories about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great measures of grace rested upon them. They were kind. They were accepting. They took people with where they're at. They weren't judgmental. They had this grace they had experienced, and they were passing it on to others. Some who owned houses or land sold them and bought, brought the proceeds before the apostles to distribute those without. Not a single person among them was needy. Amazing. When hearts are changed, everything gets taken care of. Wouldn't that be nice if we just had our hearts in the right place and it just was taken care of? It was just organic. People's needs, when they had them, when they were legitimate, just were taken care of. A great uh, place to be. It would be wonderful. And then he says, uh, then the writer, Dr. Luke Zach says, for example, there was a Levite from Cyprus. His name was Joseph who sold his farmland, and they placed his proceeds at the feet of the apostle. They nicknamed him Barnabas, or encourager. 
And uh, here we have a transition. His name goes from Joseph to Barnabas. And most of us, I, I had to be reminded that Barnabas' name was Joseph, but because he was such an encourager, he gave encouraged people, but also a part of that idea of encourager is you give courage to people. And sometimes don't think about that. I want to make someone feel better when they're low. Oh, it'll be okay. Encourage them. But there's also this aspect that when you and I, like a Barnabas, come alongside, we help them have the courage to do what they ought to do, to be who they ought to be, to live as they ought to live. And so we see that uh, Joseph, Barnabas, businessman, has land, has been a part of the movement, is starting to go, wow, this Jesus thing, being a servant is important. So he takes some of what he has and sells it and gives it to uh, make things happen. And, uh, you know, there could have been a lot of reasons for this. Sometimes, you know, I think about, you know, giving a little extra or giving more or starting or whatever. And I go, well, you know, just not a good season of life. You know, we're now, you know, we've got the kids out of college. Their college debt, if they have any, is on them. You know, so that's, woo, baby. And, you know, now we're trying to pay our mortgage off. And now, you know, maybe maybe when we're retirement age, then we'll take a second look at that. And and then, you know, sometimes you get to retirement age and you say, no, I just got to get a little farther along. It seems like there can be always never a good season to start to be generous. And uh, we have lots of these buts. And I love talking about this right now. And, and uh, the, the Simon and Martha will be horrified if I say it this way. But, uh, you know, financially, we're doing all right as a church. All through the pandemic, that, that's been good. You've been generous, so it's not like we're behind. We're actually ahead because some of you go, oh, we're ahead. No, we kind of can, you know, but we're moving in a certain direction, and God's blessing us to, to do the things we need to do. So this doesn't come out of a let's shake the bush and get some more money out of these people. No, it's about who you are. It's about your heart. It's about my heart. It's got to be generous when I'm growing in my relationship with God, an expression of that. Or the result of that happening in my heart is this generosity. And we see Barnabas doing that and coming alive with that. Um, and uh, you don't, you're, I'm not going to ask you to t look here or I'm going to give you a couple points on this. You can look there later. Uh, but just the journey of giving is not guilty. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to twist your arm. I'm none of that. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, but uh, there is a journey for being generous, and you can go to our website, and uh, this is spelled out in more detail, but there's this idea that when you think about being generous, when you think about giving, when you think about, uh, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I can't, I just never have enough extra money, uh, you know, there gets to be this point where sometime in your life, you, you give that first-time gift. For whatever reason, God lays it in your heart, and you said, this is the time. I, I've never done this before. Uh, in the olden days, when you used to tap the plate, I, you know, not never inclined and then you give that first time and that's a great that's a moment in your life i can remember the first time i as a boy gave money and i was like it was it was like a is like a monumental time i watched this uh movie and this movie uh you know was trying to these billy graham movies would come out if you went to church back in the 70s uh you know maybe even 60s that's before my time but uh the 70s they'd have sunday night there's this billy graham movie and and Johnny Erickson, yeah, I don't know if you know who that Carter, she had a swimming accident, was paralyzed from the neck down, and paints with her mouth and does all these things and encourages people. And, and now she's like in her 70s, but she's still out there ministering. So there's this movie about her life, and I wanted to help with that. 
and I had a $10 bill in my, in my pocket. And it, like, I wanted to say, can I, like, rip a quarter of this off, you know? Like, I, I don't want to give a quarter. But it, it just kept going right back. And, and then I gave that. And it was the first time I had done that in my life. And I was like, wow. And, and I felt God leading me to do that. Now, I didn't become a regular every time there's $10 in my pocket I gave. But, but something started in my heart. I want to serve others. I want to make a difference. I want to be generous. And then as you look at that little sheet online, if you go there, there's this idea of tithing. Uh, your giving goes to a, a I don't want to say different level like God's in heaven going, oh, different level giver now. Different, you know, but, but there's this idea where you go to one-time gift here and there, and then all of a sudden becomes a part of your lifestyle. And you, you say, how can we do this? And I remember when Cindy and I were first married, and uh, I was a part, I was a full-time school uh, in college, still finishing up, and Cindy worked at a private uh, Christian school, so the teachers didn't make much money, and I worked on the side, and, and we really had to come to terms with this idea, were we going to give regularly, and how were we going to do that, and we were always out of money, it seemed it never went far enough, and, and for us, we got to the place where we said, you know, we're going to figure out what we're going to give, percentage, proportion, we know kind of where we're going, and what we're going to give, and we're going to decide to do that, and we're going to give that first. And I tell you, that was unnerving, unnerving. But you know what? Here I am. I've eaten tons of ice cream, as you can see, not starved. And we've continued that on, and we decided that proportional giving from looking at the Bible was 10% for us before taxes. Unbelievable. You know, you go back and forth before or after taxes. But anyway... You know, we decided to give that, and God has sustained us, and, and, and we've had to help with things that have happened in church world, and many of you have done the same thing. And then there's this idea where we move from kind of checking the giving thing off the list. Uh, we just have a heart that's generous, and we give sacrificially, and we, we even give more than that. We, we just watch the surroundings. Uh, I'm sure Barnabas... Um, I'm sure Joseph was at a point, do I really need to sell the piece of land? You know, somebody else needs to kick in. Da, da, da. But he got to a place where that's where his heart was. And so he got over that, if you will, that butt in his life. Um, and see, he continues on, not just with um, his finances. We see that Barnabas gets off his butt and says, yes, with time. And as we walk through and see about uh, Barnabas and the future and all the things he's uh, doing and how he's acting, he's giving his way his life, and we see that he ends up in one place for a year. Barnabas was a good man, full of the spirit of holiness, and he excluded a life of faith. Because of his ministry, even more crowds of people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas left for Tarsus to find Saul and bring him back to Antioch. Together, Saul and Barnabas ministered there for a full year, equipping and growing the church, teaching vast numbers of new converts, it was at Antioch the followers of Jesus were first called Christ Christians. And Christians means little Christ, acting like Christ. And what's interesting is you see, here's Barnabas giving time, giving himself away. He's not saying, yeah, but. He's giving his life away. He's there for a year. And because of his impact and others' impact, all of a sudden you say this, servanthood just got broadcast around. And here we are almost 2,000 years later, and we're still called Christians, little Christians, little Christ, followers of his. So we can see how giving our life away can touch other people. So the obvious question is about how about you? 
Where are you in your walk with God? Have you said yes to Christ just to have a relationship with him? Have you accepted the gift of salvation? Again, these families up here, as we were praying silently together, we were, we were talking about, Lord, help them to create an environment where these kids grow up in an environment and a culture that is easier for them to follow Christ. Some of us grew up in homes that were called Christian homes, but it was not like Christ. And we have heartaches, and we've had to try to overcome that because it just weighed us down. So the question about us is, how do we say yes to Christ? We place our trust in him. So then we have to ask about uh, our money. What are we doing with it? Is it just for us? I want to say yes, but I don't have the money. This stage of life, and I don't know if we, we, we probably can use that forever, but something happens in our soul, in our heart, when we don't hold on tight to the ideas that we've been in. And we can be sacrificial. I love what Proverbs says. Some people give freely and gain more. Others refuse to give and end up with less. We've talked before about the Grinch, or, or actually about the Scrooge, and how he uh, held on to everything, and his life was empty, empty, empty. It wasn't until he started giving his life away, and it got larger and larger. Uh, so refuse to give and end up with less. Those who bless others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And it's not a giving living. It's not a I'm scratching God's back so he, in a sense, scratches my back. But it's this idea that when you and I at the heart level, deep within our heart, kind of like go past the tipping point and become generous and, and stop saying, uh, yes, but, I would like to, but, I would like to, but, and get beyond that, great things start to happen and we start to make a difference more with our life. Also, I'd like to say yes, but I don't have time. Time, I don't know. Time these days is worth more than money to me. I don't know about you. I would rather, if I could save some time and, and throw some money at something, uh, that, that is just, that's just better. I'd rather do that because time, it, you just can't get back. Money, you can go earn more someplace along the line. Time, once it's gone, it's gone. Time is very precious, precious to us. I, there was a moment where uh, we worked at this, uh, we're part of this church, and uh, part of the jobs was that we took turns mowing the lawn, all of us mowed this lawn. It was like seven acres. There was a poor guy who didn't know we had a ride on, and he mowed it by hand. But that's another story. It took him like two days to mow it. But uh, should have told him about that ride on John Deere in the garage. But anyway, um, so we all took turns. But there were times where we're just like we were like, man, I, I just I, we can't get it done. So like ten guys would say, let's just all throw ten bucks in and pay some kid to mow the lawn. And it was like, yes, that was great. Sometimes it's easier to throw money at something than at your time. And as we think about, uh, we just don't have time. We look at all that we have to do. But the reality is, I was reading this other book, and it talks about you and I have all the same time as anybody else. So think about the person that's getting the most done, and this isn't to feel guilty, but it's just to go, wow, I need to think about this. There are people out there that have unbelievable things they're doing, and they have just the same amount of time as you. They may have more money than you, but they have just the same amount of time as you, or you have the same amount of time as them. You know, we can say, I had the time, I just didn't take it. I'm time rich, but I feel like I'm broke. And that feels like where most of us are. We just feel broke when it comes to time. But slowing down and trying to reorder our life, not let one season go into another season, 
try to find that person that seems to uh, be available, yet they're very busy. Sometimes the business books, they'll tell you, you know, don't ask someone who's got like nothing to do to do something because they'll just go, well, I really don't know if I can do it. But ask somebody who's busy and you'll find that they can figure out and get it done. It's like the person who's doing more things can order their schedule and do that. Now, there's a line there. We talked about this a couple summers ago about margin. But this idea that giving ourselves away, uh, not letting time become a butt that holds us back. Is just, is just so important to us in the way we, we live. And a part of this is figuring out what Christ wants with our lives. Figure out what pleases Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work or mere busy work. The barren pursuits of darkness expose those things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one sees them. Now, I say that, wow, that's pretty heavy, you know. I may waste my time, but I don't know if I'm wasting it in the dark. But I do know, I do know that if I had something like a checkbook, except it was a time book, and, you know, I started off with 24 hours, and every day, you know, I took two hours to this, 10 hours to this, and what I love, eight hours per sleep. You know, if I, if I, if I actually was honest with this checkbook and, and had a month of receipts in there, I don't know if I'd want anyone just in general to know how I spend all my time. Because I think somebody could find an hour here or two or there or whatever that really was sideways energy. They might even point out some things where I feel really good about doing that are really busy and active. And, but they're really kind of a waste of time. I've, I've, you know, I joke about mowing my lawn. And you're going to go, oh, the lawn, the lawn. You know, last night I was mowing, I think I got done at 9 o'clock because the sun was coming down like out there and zipping back and forth. And I said to someone this morning, I'm starting to figure out how I can, like, cut corners off my lawn. Like, that corner could go back to natural. So, so maybe, like, in five years, my lawn will be about as big as this table. And, and so I am actually thinking about, let's say, is that this, you know, because i got to go around that thing. So if I just kind of cut that and left that. You know, and there, there might be a day, you know, where there's pieces of my lawn that are just a waste of my time. I mean, it takes forever, an hour to mow this stinking thing. But anyway, you get the idea. If you had a register, if you had a register of your time, and this isn't to make you feel guilty, you want to make a bigger difference with your life. You want to leave a legacy, an impact. You want to figure out the things that make a difference in little kids' lives. We go, oh, there's lots of ways to make a difference. If we measured our time, if we budgeted our time, would we find there are some things that we would consider sideways energy that really are not amounting to much? So if you rip off the cover of those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ, wake up from your sleep, climb out of your coffin, Christ will show you the light. So watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. So, we all have a butt. Seems like the fact that we don't see our butts. <laughs> But what are they? How are they connected with our finances, 
And those of us who are Christians actually believe that our finances are entrusted to us by God. If you're not a Christ follower, you know, this doesn't really, you can't go, you know, you can sit next to the person who's watching and go, hey, yeah, what are you doing with that? I'm not a Christ follower. I can do anything I want with my money. But as Christ followers, we feel that it's God's given that to us to use wisely. So what are we going to do with that? And then also this time thing, which as I get older, becomes more and more and more valuable to me. A lot more time traveling around. Sometimes somebody wants me to do something, and I say, I'd rather skip doing that. I'd rather actually give you some money and not do it than do it. Time is so valuable. Well, as a church family, uh, we think expressing your time, use, and your finances is a part of your expression of following Christ. Uh, There is uh, a little code online where you can look at this. Uh, We are looking to have folks uh, step up with their time and continue serving so our church can continue to make a difference in people's lives, so our influence can be stronger. And uh, all the details are there if you're interested. I don't have to walk you through that. Uh, You can figure that out, and I don't want to twist your arm. Uh, That's something God can do for us. (laughs) Bottom line. Be a difference maker by being a servant. That's like being a little Christ. With your money and with your time. Think about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this morning. A little bit of a tougher subject than we usually talk about. We usually have a little more fun, but uh, actually this is very important. What kind of legacy are we leaving? Are we making a difference? When our life is over, will anything that was done really count? And we do want to live lives that count. So help us to take a look at our finances. Help us to look, take a look at our time. We want to make a difference in little kids and those uh, maybe who are stuck in a nursing home that just don't ever get a visit. Uh, the whole gamut of touching people's lives with your love. Thank you that we can be here today, and uh, thank you for all the things you continue to do in our midst. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.